Hello and welcome back to the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast. I am Al Sedano and this week I am an agent of a loan. Attempting loan outing, not engaging. Because I am by myself. Both Paul and Murray are not able to do anything tonight and rather than not having an episode out this week, I am going to steal, no wait, not steal, I'm going to homage uh, what Paul does on the main show where he does the Superboy Chronicles when they can't do a regular recording and he covers an adventure of Superboy. So we're going to be doing the Captain Comic Chronicles, starting with his first appearance in Strange Adventures number 9. Which, by the way, just for some quick background material, Strange Adventures number 9 came out with a cover date of June 1951. Uh, the on-sale date, according to Mike's Amazing World, is May 2nd, 1951. The cover which features Captain Comet on it. It actually features uh, Adam Blake, Comet's secret identity, walking in a just a regular suit, and there's a big image standing over him of him in the Comet outfit, which looks a little different than what we're used to. It looks more like a red spacesuit without a helmet with suspenders. And the cover is by Carmine Infantino, and the information is not fully known about who else did it, but most likely Frank Giacoya did the inks and Irish Snap did the letters. The story is called The Origin of Captain Comet, and it is signed by Edgar Ray Merritt, but actually that was John Broom who did it. Uh, pencils Carmine Infantino, inks Bernard Sachs. No one knows who did the coloring, but then again, most people don't know who did the coloring back then. And the letters were read by Pat Gordon, possibly. All right, here we go. Captain Comet. He was a mystery to himself. Why, young Adam Blake wanted to know. Why was he so different from other people? How did it happen that there was no one else like him in the whole wide world? Where did he really come from? Who was he? All these questions which might, have, which might have unsettled an ordinary mind only served to wet the brain and steal the metal of the extraordinary youth who, without knowing it, was fated to fulfill a grand and awe-inspiring destiny on Earth as Captain Comet, first man of the future. Read now the startling story of the origin of Captain Comet. And we have that traditional from DC, the uh, inside splash page. Uh, this one has actually it's a little, set up a little differently. The top panel is a just a big Captain Comet logo, which is basically written inside a comet. And then the middle is all the words. And then the bottom is just an image of Comet looking giant size, standing over three thugs who are standing in front of a scientific machine, which we actually will get to later on in the story. On a certain night two decades ago, a brilliant comet flashed suddenly out of the western sky. It's made the night as bright as day. It's a new comet, never seen before. And that same night the comet appeared, a baby was born in a small city amid humble surroundings. And there's a man standing there looking out the window while his wife is in bed with a newborn baby. I guess they had a home birth. We'll call him Adam, dear, after your father. In the old days, Martha, they say our son is bound to become a great man. Look at the sign in the sky. Oh, John, don't talk that way. All I want is for him to be just like everyone else. Cute little feller. But Mrs. Blake was a poor prophet. When her son was only four years old, and little Adam's walking in to see Mom, you lost something, Mummy? My marriage ring. Oh, I've looked everywhere. Uncannily, the tot went straight to a crack in the worn floor. Don't cry, Mummy. Here's your ring. She's thinking, how did he find it so quickly? I just knew it was there, Mummy. That's all. Please let me down. She's thinking, how strange. When he was eight, Adam brought a new history textbook home from school. You finished the book, Adam, but you just began it a few minutes ago. I read fast, mother. 
the next day in class, and Adam's standing up reciting, which made America great. Ooh, that's kind of creepy to see now. All right, but anyway, they didn't know. And the teacher's saying, you've recited the entire book by heart. Adam Blake, you must have a photographic memory. Later, in high school, he tried out for the school orchestra. You like to play the clarinet, Adam? Very well, but you have to practice hard. Please let me try, Miss Booth. It's kind of funny, actually. Uh, high school Adam and you know, eight-year-old Adam both look to be identical. <laughs> then, as the boy for the first time in his life raised the unfamiliar instrument to his lips, and he starts playing, and the teacher's saying, he's playing the Mozart clarinet concerto perfectly, without a mistake. I never believed this if I didn't see it myself. In college, Adam went out for sports, with the usual results. Look at Blake go. No one can touch him. It's almost as if he knows ahead of time which way to turn to avoid being tackled. But despite his successes, Adam was a lonely young man. I'm not like everyone else. I, I try to be, but I'm not. And people sense it and avoid me. Adam was a constant mystery to himself. His feats amazed him almost as much as they did onlookers. And, and we see a bunch of people watching Adam as he's looks like he's in a gym, but he's juggling bowling pins. It seems I only have the desire to do something, and at once I can do it. Why? What makes me so different from other fellows? Then, in his senior year, an, on an outing, a singular event occurred. And it looks like he's out, I guess, rock climbing or something, or hiking in the mountains. And there's a woman, Betty, who's running ahead of everyone else, running up the mountain. Catch me, Adam, if you're not a scared cat. Careful, Betty, don't lose your footing. Even as Adam warned his companion, I slept help, and she started to fall off. No one will be able to reach her in time. His eyes blazing, Adam Blake curled himself towards the doomed girl. And she's sitting there as she's sort of falling, saying, Oh, it, it's as if something is holding me up. It's preventing me from falling. As Adam's running towards her, saying, Gotta save Betty's life. A moment later, when Adam reached Betty, and he's carrying her down the hill, It must have been my imagination, Adam. For a moment, I thought, Never mind what you thought, Betty. You're safe. That's the main thing. The whole thing was over so quickly that no one really knew what had happened, except Adam. I must have saved Betty by, by mental force. It was just as if I had gripped her with my hands from 15 feet away. But what does it all mean? Why should I possess a power like that? In his dilemma, young Blake decided to seek help. Professor Emery Zarko, the physicist, is the wisest man I know. Perhaps he can explain me to myself. I, I can't go on this way, not knowing, not understanding. And at first I thought he was going through, like the professor had a, was it mansion, but actually it says on the floor, Hall of Physics, so I guess he's at the college still. Welcomed by the famous old scientist, Adam poured out the story of his life. I know I'm different, Professor, but why? And the professor, of course, is an older man with white hair, balding, and a mustache, wearing, of course, a very nice suit. Amazing. It defies analysis, unless I have a theory, Blake. But first, let's make some tests. Professor Zarko tried his subject out on ESP cards. Editor's note, cards designed to test extrasensory perception or ability, like telepathy and clairvoyance, in case any of you didn't know what that was. And we can see Adam is uh, behind the screen, so he can't see what the professor's doing, and he's saying, a star. Right, it's phenomenal. You never miss. Dozens of tests followed with the same incredible results. After an hour of violent exercise, muscles show absolutely no sign of fatigue. It adds to my theory. Later, behind the carefully locked doors of Zarko's study, 
Adam, brace yourself. You've heard, of, I'm sure, of human throwbacks. Men born today with the minds and bodies of the cavemen of a hundred thousand years ago. Well, think of the opposite of that. Scientifically, there is no reason why the opposite, an accidental, an accidental specimen of future man, should not happen. It just never has, Adam. Till now. You, you mean that's what I am, Professor? No doubt of it. You are a mutant. Enter his note. A mutant is a sudden, unexpected change in the natural, slow development of a species. Which I'm sure was neat. You guys needed to hear because I'm pretty sure no comic fan of this time at this time now has ever heard of mutants. So it's a new thing. Maybe it'll catch on. Born by chance, far ahead of your time, with abilities which probably won't be common on Earth for a hundred thousand years or more. And Professor is looking at a test analysis which says muscle fatigue zero percent, ESP result a hundred percent. A little experiment will prove what I say. If my theory is correct, you should possess one ability which I haven't tested yet. Draw your chair over here. And he's putting a book down on the table. Concentrate hard. Cause the book to topple over. Concentrate. And Adam is sitting several feet away from the book. And he, we know he's trying something mental because he's holding his hand to his uh, temples. I am, but... Then suddenly, and the book falls, we see the book fall over. Mind over matter. The age-old dream of mankind. Adam, and you possess it. Mind over matter? That, that explains my rescuing Betty. Yes, the power is erratic now, not easy to control, but with practice and hard work, you'll perfect it. You still haven't told me one thing. What am I to do with this strange gift of mine? I'd like to help others. Perhaps should we, announce, we should announce my case to science. I don't think so, Adam, but we'll discuss it as soon as I return. I have an appointment. Before leaving, the professor decided to try Adam's skill in still another field. I'm going to show you something no one else has seen. Perhaps while I'm gone, you will work on the problem. I'll do anything I can for you, Professor Zachro. On the glass-lined laboratory roof, a strange mechanism was unveiled. It's my solar reducer. Many years of study led me to believe that they are minute particles of gold and sunlight. This machine should separate out particles, but I can't make it work. Alone, Adam quickly went to work on the professor's invention. My futurist brain tells me that the professor's startling theory is correct, but that his troubles lie mostly in the refraction angles of these mirrors. And it actually... Just to say from before, this is actually the actual device that we saw on the splash page. Which is nice when they actually are paying attention for the story and the splash page actually does show what's in it. So that was cool. Meanwhile, unknown to the professor, other eyes have secretly kept tabs on his experiment. And now, and we see three, well they're dressed like kind of gangsters, looking from behind a curtain. Which, this makes more sense now, because when I first read the story before recording, I thought they were at the professor's house. But now I realize I'm for college, so it makes sense why they'd be there. Who's that guy messing around with the professor's sunlight machine? I don't know, but let's see what happens. Suddenly, as the mirror angles came into proper adjustment, and Adam's sitting there working at it, doesn't know they're there yet, thinking, a tiny drop of pure gold. I can tell it's real by mental analysis. He made it work. I say, that guy's a genius. And the next moment, they come out all with guns face pointed at Adam. Pal, you're terrific. Our gang can use you. You're coming with us. Now be smart and don't put up any fuss. You, you men are criminals. Start taking apart the gold maker. Our boy here can set it up for us again back in the hideout. Then, as Adam moved fearlessly to halt the vandals, let me go. You men have no right to be here. Your floor has to get rough. Conk him, Swifty, but don't hurt his brain. And Swifty's behind Adam, ready to hit him with a looks like a blackjack. Suddenly, a thunderbolt seemed to strike the three gunmen as Adam basically swings at all of them. Hey, he's as strong as a bull elephant. 
one twist and he sent us all flying. Plug him, Trigger, in the shoulder. Don't kill him. And one was about to shoot at him. About to fire, guess they got me all right. But the last split second, Adam's futuristic brain told him what to do. And we see the bullet flying at him. Mind over matter. I can't dodge a bullet, but maybe there's a chance I can slow it down by concentrating. The extraordinary mental energy of the man of destiny flared up and, and we see the bullet just kind of, pick, bounce off his shoulder. He, he slowed down the bullet. It didn't even hurt him. Holy mackerel, what kind of guy are we dealing with anyway? Stunned by the sight, the thugs fell easy prey to Adam's bombshell fists. And he's knocking them all out. What happened? He must have hit all three of us at once. Soon after, at a nearby police precinct, and Adam's there talking to the police, Professor Zachary will prefer charges, Sergeant. These men broke into his lab. Thanks, son. Those hoodlums are wanted for a half dozen other jobs, too. Later, back at the lab, after Zachary has learned of the incident, The poor fools. My solar reducer is not commercial. It is for science, not gain. Why, in a year, it wouldn't produce $100 worth of gold, and the cost of the machine is 10000 But your adventure does teach us this, Adam. If you reveal yourself and your true powers to the world, evil men will seek to use you to their advantage. Your extraordinary talents must remain a closed book between the two of us. If you wish to help others, it must be in some new secret identity, for safety. I can see now that you're right, Professor. Musing, Adam walks towards his room in the college town. Adam Blake will have to go on, pretending to be like other people. No one must suspect what I really am. A man bore my accent a hundred thousand years too soon. It won't be easy for me, but I have no choice. Meanwhile, in another part of the country, a strange forbidding object, like a huge top, has appeared on Earth. And we see some people, this is in the desert, a bunch of people are running. Whatever goes near us, it dies. It must be something from another planet. Get help, send for the army. And yeah, it just looked like a giant top. <laughs> Frenzied bulletins soon reach every corner of the nation. The top is still unharmed. An A-bomb was dropped on it by the Air Force. The top was not even scratched. Martial law has been declared. And I'm really hoping it's for brevity's sake that they just tell us about the A-bomb and that wasn't their first instinct it was to nuke the damn thing. Hopefully they tried other things before that. As panic spread like wildfire in a tiny room in a Midwest college room, and Adam's there putting on his Captain Comet outfit, the time has come for me to assume my secret identity. I was born just as an unknown brilliant comet flashed across the sky. So I will be Captain Comet. And Captain Comet's first assignment will be to halt that mysterious death-dealing top. Will Captain Comet succeed where the armed might of our nation seems to have failed? What will be the outcome of the titanic duel between the fantastic metal intruder and the amazing man of destiny? For the gripping answer, don't miss Captain Comet in the next issue of Strange Adventures. So this is his secret identity, a costume that shows his face fully for everybody. Okay, sure. I, I guess the definition of secret has changed since the 1950s. Also, I really was not expecting this to be a two-parter, or maybe they just completely ignore that story against the top next time. I guess we'll find out if we ever do issue 10. All right, well, that was it. It was a shorter one, but that's because we're only doing a 10-page story a year. Hopefully everything will be fine technical-wise next week, and Paul and Murray will be back, and we will be covering something else. Not sure what, but we'll be covering something. Until then, of course, you can send anything to emails you want to write to, Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. Go right, right on the uh, episodes feeds on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters.com. And, yep, that's it. So, until next time, S-A-L-A.
K-A-K-U-H-L-E.